Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And this past weekend, I was in Rome for the canonization of Titus Bronsma, this Carmelite priest who uh, was captured by the Nazis and was, uh, was murdered in a concentration camp because he stood for the truth. And he unmasked the disinformation campaigns of the Nazis. And in that respect, I think a great example for our times where disinformation is also used as a tool to influence people and to even for warfare. Look at what is happening in Ukraine and in Russia. Um, but Titus Bronsma did much more than, than during those years uh, where the Nazis were taking over the, Europe. Um, he was also a theologian and a mystic, and he had a great knowledge of, uh, of, of, of mysticism and wrote a lot of books about that. Oop, I think this is a private property. It looks like a house. I should not enter their garden. It's funny how the forest just merges into private property all of a sudden. Um, let me go back and then go to the right. So um, there, there are a few things. I've, I made a documentary about Titus Bronsma a couple of years ago. And uh, I visited a museum in his uh, birthplace in Bolsward. And that <clears throat> was really moving because I didn't know uh, the rest of his, of his life. And I, I've, gotten, I've come to really appreciate this guy and... I feel in a certain way like if if he would have lived in my time, I think we would be uh, collaborators at least, if not friends, uh, because I, I so recognize a number of things that he did. One of one of the what, what I like about him was that he was not a one trick pony. He did write for newspapers and he was good at it. He was a good writer. He also uh, coached other journalists, but he he realized that you also have to make sure it's not enough to write articles. You also have to take care of the distribution and you have to make sure that you find partners to get the message out. And so he, wa he was very good at organizing these publishing platforms. And also to, when once the Nazis were starting to threaten freedom of press, he was using all those contacts to keep these, these, these uh, publishers on track and to tell them, you know, don't bend for the enemy Let's all stand for the truth, even if it will cost us. Um, so it's, very, it's a very different world nowadays. We don't rely on newspapers anymore to spread our message. But I, I kind of recognize that effort to go and find multiple platforms and see if you can bring your message to all these different outlets. Not, not, not focus on just one thing, but try to be there, be out there so you can reach... A big audience and over time especially if you're good at what you do you will also become a credible voice when it comes to let's say the more the meta questions when it comes to uh, these platforms and I believe it's important that as a church we should have we should formulate our opinions on on the freedom of press on freedom of speech look at the whole discussion about Twitter etc I think it's very important that as a church, together, we think about what this means for our freedom, for our democracies, but also for the freedom of religion. 
if, if the entire media space is gobbled up by millionaires with very particular agendas, they're in it not for charity, they're in it to make money. What does that mean for the freedom of speech of, of for instance, religious minorities? Um, it's, it's a very complicated matter, but Titus Brunsman was ahead of his time publishing about those meta-questions as well, about the responsibility of the church and the responsibility of the, the government and, you know, all these different parties and publishers. Uh, this is a communal effort to keep our society on track and make sure that everybody has a voice and that everybody feels safe and free to express their opinion and share it with others. And, of course, in that in that perspective also to co- combat misinformation, which also on religious matters is a, is a big problem. Uh, the framing that takes place also in religious circles, the political influence that you can see in certain areas in when it comes to religion, it's something that we need to be very vigilant about. And I think that a lot of the stuff that Titus Brunsma wrote about press and about the role of media is still relevant today. People don't change. It's just that our, our media change, but the process itself not. What I also liked was that Ransma was also a teacher. He was an educator. And so uh, that's another task that I, he took very seriously. And a lot of the books that he wrote, for instance, about on mysticism, are still considered to be classics. Um, th- this is one of the reasons that I that I teach in my videos. I'm not just there to entertain. I'm also not just there to socialize. But I'm here to teach. If I, if I uh, analyze Star Wars or whatever, Neon Genesis, Evangelion, like a uh, Japanese man, man, uh, anime series, I always insert catechesis. So I did a whole video on the theology of angels. I did a video on apocalyptic literature, um, but I connected it with these Japanese mega robot series, and that's just the language that you use. The teaching is is the same, and you try to kind of transmit the essence of certain aspects of theology or or biblical studies in a, in a very easy to digest manner. And I love that. That's what a teacher does. He translates. Um, intellectual knowledge into a language that students can grasp and can relate to and can observe. Um, so in that respect, I also feel like Titus Bronsma is, is a great example. He's not just a journalist or ju- just a priest. That sounds a bit denigrating, but he, he, he had a talent for teaching, so he used that talent. Another thing that I feel very much uh, connected to was his entrepreneurial spirit and I I wasn't aware of that until I went to Dockham which is a, another town in the north of the Netherlands and it is known as a place of pilgrimage to honor one of the apostles of the Netherlands you could say uh, one of those monks that came from England and who have evangelized these nether lands these low lands um, you had, of course, St. Willebrord, who was the first bishop of Utrecht. But uh, contemporary uh, to Willebrord, uh, there was St. Boniface. And St. Boniface 
was also a monk that came from overseas and uh, he had played a major role in in uh, establishing the first Christian communities in the north of the country and there well he, I, he was I, I think he died at Dockham or he was murdered there or something like that um, and so there was a, there was a, a small pilgrimage center there when Titus Bransma was alive. And so he visited that place and looked around and, and was like, this is not working. This is not, this is not good enough. Uh, St. Boniface is, is such an important uh, character or, or has a, is such, such an important person in the Catholic history of our country. We need to upgrade the sanctuary, make it more appealing for people to come here. And he had a keen sense of how that works, which is kind of interesting if you consider that he was mostly an intellectual. And he said, what we first need is something tangible. You know, this guy lived here <laughs> in the early medieval times. There, we don't have anything left of him. We need to create a place like a focal point. Why don't we look for a source? turns out that that part of the country has hills, smaller hills, that sometimes um, are places where, where there are pure water sources. So apparently there was this source in the, in, the, in the middle of the village, but it was, I think it was in the middle of a church or something like that. They went looking for another source and they found one. They dug it up and created this you know, a little pool of water, and there, and it's an actual pure water source. Let's see, I'm on a crossroads here. I can continue straight on, or I can turn to the left. What time is it? I always have to keep an eye on my time. I've got about an hour left before I need to shut it down, because I promised myself, and I made myself accountable by also promising Inge that I would stop working at 5 p.m., because these are very busy times and I need to balance my workload. So once they had found that source, uh, they, they rebuilt a sanctuary. Now, Titus Ransma didn't do all that, but he was definitely the motivator. He was like, you know, people have, when they come here, they need to experience something. You need to tell the stories. This place needs to feel special. And so it's thanks to him that they completely rebuilt that sanctuary. And today it's uh, one of the major sanctuaries in the Netherlands. And it's all thanks to Titus Bronsma. So I love that. I love that he, he felt the need to visualize, to tell stories, to make people not just learn something, which is just an intellectual activity, but to experience something which is tangible, which is emotional. And I think that is nowadays in the church very unexplored area. Uh, I think liturgy was supposed to be that place where you could experience things and hear stories and get mesmerized by beautiful music. And instead, we're like, we've fallen into a cesspool of mediocrity and, uh, and, and, and stuff that should have been updated a half a century ago. And, but we do that because we can't come up with anything new. Titus Bransma, I think, shows that with a bit of creativity and obviously also help of the Holy Spirit, it is possible to make something new, something that gets people excited 
And I feel that that is the direction in which the church should should go. Um, we, should, we always think that that faith is, is just an intellectual thing. It's adherence to certain norms or our statements but that's not what faith has ever been it's if you look at jesus yes he did a lot of explaining and talking but it was always rooted in action in healing the sick and feeding the the needy uh, experiences he was constantly traveling he told stories we've stopped doing that in the church and i think that we see, we see the results of 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 not investing in in entrepreneurial projects um, another thing what I, that I appreciate of Titus Bronsma is how he adapted to whatever situation God gave him. I think this requires a lot of humility, and I think it's part of why he is, has now been canonized. Because Titus Bronsma was a humble man, and, and he was very talented, but a lot of the things that happened to him, he had no control over. His arrest... He was put in prison in Scheveningen, near The Hague. And ultimately ended up, of course, uh, he was put on a train and deported and died in a concentration camp. But for what we've heard, and especially when he was still incarcerated in the Netherlands, he wrote letters in which he explained, you know what, there is, yeah, there's, there's also an upside to this. Look at my cell. I live here in this prison. I've got this tiny little cell. I've always... I'm a, I'm a religious uh, father, right? He was a Carmelite. Um, God gave me basically a, a cloister cell. This, this is not a prison. I feel free here because I can pray all day. I've got no, nothing is distracting me. My, my world is very small. It's almost as if this is my monastery. And I'm thinking, wow, what a, what a great way to reframe a given situation and to focus on it in itself uh, maybe is a, a very negative thing or at least it's a very threatening situation. But he is reframing it so it becomes a gift. And it's only happening in his mind. There's nothing changing about his room. That is an incredible talent. To do that and um, something that I discover more and more the power of my current situation was also unthinkable a year ago and yet here I am and I what I first saw as almost an exile and uh, a necessity I see it as a great gift and a massive opportunity now and so it's it's um, not working for Dutch television at least right now except for the, the small stuff that I did in Rome, it's, it's, at first it was a loss. I felt it really, because I loved doing television. I loved making these programs and going places and interviewing people. Um, and now I discover that, now that I don't, no longer have that obligation, there is all this new energy to create the same type of stuff. Like I can use everything that I've learned in the past but now I can bring it to a much bigger audience. And I think we're only at the beginning here. If I see how, for instance, this whole TikTok adventure would have never been possible had I still been working for television. There is no way in the world that I would have time to step into such a labor intensive uh, um, uh, media platform. And yet 
already now I'm reaching five times more people than I ever reached on Dutch TV. Even so, even the best episodes on TV reached only a fraction of the people that I'm reaching now with my content. So it's a gift. It's a great opportunity. It's an amazing development. And I think in the life of Teacher Bronsma, you see that same... It's not just resignation. It is just a, this constant uh, effort to see whatever happens to you as a gift that God gives you. Even if it is death in itself, <laughs> martyrdom, I'm pretty sure we don't, we don't have any last records of you know, his last moments. But I'm sure that he embraced even his martyrdom as a, as a gift. Uh, and that would ultimately bear fruit, which it has. Because he's canonized now. The whole world knows him. And he can inspire millions of people across the world for, for, for centuries to come. So I love that. I love that when I see that with a fellow Dutchman. Um, I'm taking a look at my notes if there's anything else. Uh, no, well, yeah, and the, the other thing is uh, he always kept that sensi- sensibility for, for myst- mysticism. So even though, of course, politics were taking up a lot of his time and attention and the situation was extremely uh, concerning... He kept studying the mystics. He kept uh, investing in, in writing and learning about people that have lived centuries ago but have eternal knowledge in a certain way, can, can share something that has lasting value even way beyond the political situation. And I believe that, that is a, that's also a good reminder that... We, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in the day-to-day business of, uh, of communicating that we forget to communicate what, what, what will actually, what will last, what will outlive us. And I think one of the things that I, one of the, what I want to do is to tell stories in such a way that they, that they last. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of those few documentaries that I made that people still mention when I meet them because it made such an impact because it wasn't focused on like, oh, today in the news <laughs> or what's happening right now in the Vatican. All that will be completely different a year from now, let alone 10 years from now. But there are stories that you can tell that will always keep their relevancy. And those are the stories that I want to tell. Not exclusively but i should not forget to do that just as much i mean that's my way of uh emulating what what i see in titus bronsma's life that of course he had to <laughs> step into the politics of his day and he had he felt he had a resp- responsibility but it didn't take over his life and that is why we still talk about him because a lot of the uh things that he wrote are still relevant today That's what I wanted to share with you. Thank you so much for your time. If you are a patron, you can look forward to an extra mile that I'm going to walk with you, uh, during which I will share with you. Um, What am I going to share this week? 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. I want to talk a little bit more about podcasting. Um, but that's for my patrons. <laughs> if you want to join them, go over to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. It's a wonderful community. I'd love to see you as part of it. So talk to you later and God bless.